uh, a man of God, and we want to look at some of the things that he's gone through. And it, it will probably take us two weeks to get through this lesson to get me into a point that I want to get to later in uh, the study. But it is good to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. And those of you who are viewing online, we thank you for being with us as well and joining us. And we are thankful and honored to be here in the presence of God and his people. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Dear Lord, great God in heaven, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We think back to the very beginning when you created the heavens and the earth and all that's in it. The things that are visible and the things that are invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions. Well, God, you made all things. We are thankful and we enjoy your creation. And we realize, Lord God, that we are also the created. Help us as the created to worship you in spirit and in truth, bringing glory and honor unto your name. And just as was stated in the Bible class this morning in Jeremiah, that, Lord God, you are the potter and we are the clay. Help us as the clay to do the part that you have designed us to do and to be the people that you would have designed us to be. And help us never to forget Jesus, your great son, in whom you have so willingly sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 27. It's not on our slide. Um, but I want to talk about a man of God who demonstrated a courage for us all to follow. We can all gain something from Joseph of Arimathea. And the question is, what kind of faith would you have if you, if you witnessed all the miracles of Jesus and you were able to hear what Jesus had to say and you were able to walk in the presence of Jesus and you saw him and you touched him and you knew that he was real. And keeping in mind that during the days of, of Jesus, it was both scary and difficult to be a Christian. And I say scary because the reality is maybe we we can't really identify with uh, with the the terror, if you will, of being a Christian. And we might today say, if I were a Christian back in those days, I wouldn't be afraid. But I'll tell you what, it was a very real time. And uh, all four of the gospel writers tells us of this man named Joseph. And they call him a good man and a man, if you will, and of courage. He was then, as being described, a man of integrity. Uh, he was also a man uh, who is called Arimathea. He lives in a place that Samuel, the prophet of old, lived. In First Samuel chapter 1, uh, the Bible tells us that where he lived in Ramah was about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. He was a wealthy man. I think it's important to think about that for just a moment. Uh, Matthew 27 and verse 57, the Bible says, And when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate uh, and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given over to him. But Joseph was a man of great wealth. He was a faithful man to God. Kind of gives you a, a better perspective. I'm going to Luke 23. You know, we sometimes, uh, we're too hard on, on people 
that have money. And we say, well, you know, you, because Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to make it to heaven. He didn't say rich men couldn't make it to heaven and that they wouldn't. Joseph was an example of that. He was a very God-fearing man. And in Luke 23 and verse 50, uh, there the Bible says, And behold, a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man. He was a member of this Sanhedrin. He was a member of the council that met. And this is what I want us to really think about tonight, is what it would have felt like to be Joseph, a good man, in good standing, a righteous man, who had a knowledge of the Scriptures, the Old Testament and the New, who looked for the coming Messiah, who wondered in his own mind, could Jesus be the Messiah? And then as he searched the Scriptures on his own, recognizing that, you know, I think Jesus is the Messiah, and becoming a believer. Mark chapter 15, please. But he wasn't a believer as we, you know, we might say a believer, he's out there preaching the gospel, but rather a secret one. His position really held him in a difficult situation. Mark 15 and verse 43. Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, and he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now here's a question. First of all, he's a prominent member of the council. So he would have been in on all those meetings when they were conspiring and they were trying to find a way. How can we put Jesus to death? And they searched the scriptures together and said, there has to be sin in this man. And they could find none. And he was proven innocent over and over and over again. And then there were those mind-boggling questions where they were trying to find an answer. And with difficulty, they had to admit, we don't have an answer. And the only thing that we can conclude thus far is that Jesus is who he says he is. The Messiah. The Son of the living God. But they were a supreme ruling body, if you will. I use the word supreme in the sense that it would, that they were it. They made the decisions, if you will, in the world of Judaism. And they possessed this, this amount of power, not just in the Jewish religion, Judaism, the Ten Commandments, the Law of Moses, but they also had their foot in Rome. And they helped to sway some of the events and activities in Rome. And Joseph of Arimathea was a prominent member of this council. And he was a man that was in good standing with the council. But they didn't know he was a Christian. So his honor and his integrity was still exposed. He was very influential in all that he said and did in this council. And he listened to these wicked, unbelieving, rebellious men try to find a way to crucify, not to get rid of, not to cast aside, but to crucify the man whom he believed to be, based on the Scriptures, the Son of God. Turn to Luke, please, chapter chapter 23. He would have been well known among 
these folks and well-respected amongst the Pharisees who were what? Hypocrites. The scribes who didn't believe in the uh, Sadducees, rather, who didn't believe in the resurrection. The scribes who translated the scriptures. And he would have been one of the people whom every time they met, he would have been one of the men who was in on the meeting. Can you imagine how he felt inside every time they would say, well, I know what the Bible says, but we got to get rid of them. Or when they looked at the scriptures and they could see it with clarity and someone stood up and said, we need to kill this man. Because we're going to lose our position if we don't. And he had to, in his mind, restrain his tongue. You might say, well, if he was a good man and a righteous man, then why wouldn't he stand up for Jesus? Because we're looking on the outside in. But if we were a member of that council, remembering, and I want to look at this in just a second, how difficult it was and how bloodthirsty these people were, how difficult it must have been for a good, righteous man to hold his tongue. Whether he feared the outcome or not, we don't know. We don't know why he held his tongue, but he held his tongue and he continued to meet with these people. In verse 50, the Bible says of Luke uh, chapter 23, And behold, a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, he had not consented to their plan and action. A man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God. Think about that for just a moment. Was he thinking about his family? Would they go after his family? How bad were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he would not, he did not, he was the one who would cast the vote and say, men, I don't know that we're doing the right thing. And then they would aggressively attack him in one way or another with their words. What did they do in that council as they discussed among men what they would do with Jesus Christ? So Joseph, like a few others, was a secret Christian. I want to turn to John chapter 19. Is there a such thing? Can, can you be a Christian and be one that uh, is in secret and be justified in the mind of God? Joseph was. John 19 and verse 38. And after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. He came therefore and took away his body. Now earlier we read about Joseph, that Joseph had to, he muster up courage to go to Pilate. You know, imagine that for just a moment. So we think, we think about his courage. He's now exposing who he is. He's going to get the body of Jesus Christ, the enemy of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. And he's going to go to to Pilate, and he's going to ask Pilate, who just executed Jesus, for his body. Fearing maybe, and I'm thinking of, that Pilate might have said, oh, are you one of his disciples too? Should we crucify you as well? 
And so there was a fear in him for whatever reason. And now the Bible tells us more about him and that there was fear also among the Jews. Verse 18 of John chapter 9. The times of following Christ were very, very hostile and very intense in those days. Do you know that some people who wanted to be saved literally forsook their salvation because of fear? Look at John chapter 9 and verse 18. The Jews therefore did not believe in him, believe it of him, that he had been blind and he had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and questioned them saying, is this your son who was born blind? Then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes? We do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He shall speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess him to be Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. What? So imagine that. Imagine we believe in Jesus. and We want to serve Jesus. We want to confess his name. But... You know, you have that little doubt in your mind. Maybe everybody else, you know, the rest of the world right now, they're saying Jesus is not the Messiah. While the other part of the world, they're saying Jesus is the Messiah. And I kind of feel like he is the Messiah, but I'm not totally sure. If I get put out of the synagogue, I can't worship God in any way, shape, or form. I'll be totally isolated from God forever. And what if I'm wrong? Or if I surrender to Jesus and I confess his name and they put me out of the synagogue, well, then what will happen? Wow, what a dilemma, right? What a position to be in, in a place of of, of terror and wickedness. How do you follow Jesus? Well, in your heart and in your mind, you, you do what you're supposed to do. But you've got to find a way to do it. And so, the mother and the father said, our son said it was Jesus. And I don't know how else he can see. He's been born, he was born blind. He's blind all of his life. He's of age. Don't ask us because we are too afraid to say that we believe it was Jesus, the Messiah. And we don't want to be thrown out of the temple. It was tough to serve Jesus in this day. John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 36. While you have the light, Jesus says, believe in the light in order that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and he departed and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this cause they could not believe, for Isaiah again said, 
He's blinded their eyes and he's hardened their heart, lest they see it with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Remember they would say, well, who else believes in Jesus? And those, those rulers kept their hands down. And maybe if you think about it, in the beginning of this section we read, that, that Jesus hid himself. Now, they didn't understand why would Jesus hide himself. He's the king. He's Messiah. He's God. And Jesus did not hide himself because he was afraid. Jesus hid himself so that they wouldn't make him king. So it was he was waiting for the right time and all the things that would pertain to Jesus Christ. But that's not what they saw. What they saw was, wait a minute. Why did he hide himself? So they hid themselves. And the Bible says, many of the rulers believed. But they wouldn't confess his name. The rulers were afraid to confess his name. Being a Christian in these days was a very difficult task. John chapter 16, verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and it's already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And in your mind, you, you hear him preach. But you still can't figure out why he hid himself. And so I want to be a follower of Jesus. Here's Joseph of Arimathea, a righteous man who is struggling with this conflict of, you know, do I reveal myself to the council? Do I stand up and do I say, I'm a child of God and you ought to be one too? Do I, do I stand up in, in anger and say, you people are, are hypocrites and wicked? Or do I follow, the G, follow Jesus the very best that I can in secrecy and do all that I can without the council knowing? How would you judge, how would you judge Joseph if there were a judgment to be made? How would you judge him? Would you say, well, how could he be a righteous man? Would you, would you say, well, if I were Joseph, I would do this or I would do that? I would, I would say, I have no judgment for Joseph other than what the Bible says. He was a righteous man. And for his time, and in his time, and at that moment, he did the best that he could in service to God. And it's written right here in the scriptures. And maybe God had not strengthened his faith to such, to where it had to be, the prophecy of the scripture must be fulfilled, and Joseph was God's choice. In John chapter 11, in verse 14, martyrdom was very real. Right? Remember I said this morning that, um, which is, which is true, and from the scripture, that you could get baptized today and be executed tomorrow if you were coming to Christ. 
And yet people knew that. And Jesus said, anyone who comes after me must deny himself. And he says, you got to count the cost. Count the cost to be a Christian. And so in your mind, you, you thought to yourself, well, if I die, I'm going to go to heaven because this is what Jesus promised. You have to be a true believer to come to Christ in these days. Being a Christian in these days is very difficult. And dying tomorrow was very, very possible. John chapter 11, please, in verse 14. Then Jesus, therefore, said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, therefore, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Anybody want to go with Jesus now? Oh, that's doubting Thomas, by the way. He wasn't always a doubting man. Let's go. And let's die with Lazarus. Let's die with Jesus. Would you, would you go on that journey? We have a, we have a, you know, we, we think about it and go, oh yeah, I'd go. Would you, would you really go? It reminds me of Moses as he was, uh, speaking to God and God says, look, Moses, you go to the top of the mountain and die. How long would it have taken you to get to the top of the mountain? Would you have rushed up the mountain? Because you couldn't wait to be with God? Would you have kicked rocks and looked around? And I mean, how long would it have taken you to climb that mountain? This part is a matter of faith. Right? Let us go and die with him. John chapter 13 and verse 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now. But you shall follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a cock shall not crow until you deny me three times times. Jesus, we're ready to die right now. Jesus says, not now, but later. And I believe Peter had the right, he had a great intent, I mean, in his heart. And he meant what he said. And that's why when he, when they came, the the mob came, he drew his sword and cut off Malchus's ear because he was serious about what he said. But then, when Jesus didn't fight back, when the plan didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, everything changed, right? You know, when we have it all planned out, you know, I got it all planned out. This is what's going to happen. And then you get there, and it doesn't quite happen the way you expected it to. It catches us off guard. Then what do we do? And Peter denied Jesus three times. The same man who said, I'm ready to die for you right now. Mark chapter 14 in verse 43. So when we think of Joseph Arimathea being a righteous man who was a secret, a secret Christian, understand the times and the context of the Gospels as is written in the life of Jesus Christ. Verse 43, the Bible says, And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came up 
accompanied by a multitude with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now he was, now he who was betraying him had given them a signal saying, whomever I shall kiss, he is the one, seize him and lead away under guard. And after coming, he immediately went to him saying, Rabbi, and kissed him. They laid hands on him and seized him. But a certain one of them who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Peter, Lord, I'll die with you. Why didn't he take that same courage? I mean, these guys came with swords and and clubs and spears. And there was a bunch of them. And they were soldiers. And remember, when you look at the context, they were, they were, the apostles didn't have swords. <laughs> they only had two. Jesus said, go get a sword. And so they said, Lord, we can only find two. They only had two swords. And how were they going to fight against this mob that came, if you will, the soldiers? How were they going to fight against them to protect Jesus? So what, what do you think Peter thought, right? I'm going to be like, like, like David. You know, we can, or, or like the mighty men, we can kill 300 men or a thousand men on our own. But Jesus said, that's not how this is going to go. Wow. Right? How intense was this scene? Well, let's, let's keep reading for just a moment. Verse 50. They all left him and fled. And a certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him. But he left the linen sheet behind and escaped naked. Wait. Yeah. Think about that. He just ran away naked. He's terrified. These are the Romans. And, it, and along with the Romans, these... These are the these are the Pharisees that ruthless group of people. These are the wicked people. And so the scene was a terrible, terrifying scene. And they all forsook Jesus. Would you have left Jesus? Yeah. I'm no different than those men. They were terrified. And in Mark 14, in verse, in verse 27, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. In your relationship with Jesus today, it's not, it's not about being a secret Christian. Right? Some, some folks go to college and say, or go to their jobs and say, well, I'm just, I'm a secret Christian. I don't want anyone to know. Should we be secret Christians today? I mean, times are very different. They're not going to take our lives. <laughs> They're not going to do that. We're not under threat for being a Christian. No, we just choose to be a secret Christian because if we're a secret Christian, no one will know, and then I can get away with a lot more sin. That's not why they were secret Christians. Brethren, let us, let us find the courage of Joseph 
and the apostles and those people in those days that though they feared for their lives, they still did what God wanted them to do. And we're going to look next week at Joseph of Arimathea again. Because I want us to look at, well, what happened to the body of Jesus? How even, how even that was an issue. That was an issue. And I want us to carry this study all the way over to Jesus and what happened to the body of Jesus and the endless corruption that happened in their government. Joseph of Arimathea, a righteous man, a man who loved God, a man who did the best that he could, and yet there were some difficulties in his early Christian faith in following God. And maybe today you have some difficulties or challenges in your Christian faith. Maybe today there are some things that that you are struggling with and you would like prayers made in your behalf. Don't put that opportunity off. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Or perhaps you are not a child of God and you've been considering surrendering to God in the waters of baptism. Don't put that off. For now is the acceptable time and today is the day of salvation. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song invitation. Why don't you come?